Chapter 60. Too quick for a cloud, too big for a bird. Barely rippling the surface, the trunk glided toward the waterfall at the mouth of the lagoon. The brackish water grew clear so that, from above, long, powerful green tails could be seen propelling the trunk as the mermaids triumphantly bore their prize back to their lair. Feeling safe now, they raised their heads from the water. The one in the lead, the others called her, in their strange, throaty language, teacher, turned and smiled at her school. Her long, thick hair was blonde, her teeth white and even, were now human, or were human now, exposure to the trunk having completely transformation from fish to mermaid. The other mermaid smiled back at her, human teeth and all. Um, so, elated, or so elated were they by their triumph, so absorbed with their prize, their creator, that only one of them, a young mermaid in the back of the school, happened to see that thing that flew across the face of the moon, too quick for a cloud, too big for a bird. She grunted in alarm and slapped her tail twice on the water's surface. The other mermaids responded instantly, diving in fright, all but teacher who would, or who would not leave the creator. She wrapped her arms around the trunk defiantly and looked up at the blackened silhouette swooping toward her. She recognized it at once and snarled. "'Lean forward!' shouted Slank from the bow of the uh, flying longboat. He was still er, getting the feeling of it. His ability to steer shaky and imprecise. In the bright moonlight, he could clearly see his target below, as well as the blonde-haired she-fish hissing up at him. At the stern, little Richard, gripping both sides in terror, shifted his weight slightly forward as the longboat dove. Slank leaned to a port, leaned to port, lining up the bow with his target. Steady? Steady? The boat hurtled downward, and the mermaid did not move. She's brave, I'll give her that. As the boat hit, was about to hit the water, Slank leaned back. The bow lifted slightly, avoiding a direct collision with the trunk, but striking the defiant mermaid. Slank felt the thud in his feet. That's one less to worry about. The longboat splashed down the lagoon, its sharp bow sending up waves on each side. Slank and Little Richard tumbled to the bottom of the boat, which rocked violently for a moment, but did not capsize. The trunk, shouted, or Slank shouted, struggling to his feet. There, said Little Richard, pointing. The trunk bobbed in the water astern. Slank thought about diving in after it, but quickly changed his mind. She fish. There were a dozen or more of them between the boat and the trunk, diving and fran- or surfacing frantically, apparently searching for something. It took Slank a moment, but then he understood. They're looking for the one I hit. Whirling, Slank lunged to the bow and looked into the water. There she is. Her body was wedged under the prow, floating motionless. Slank grabbed her by the arm and dragged her into the boat. Her face was covered with blood. Blood. She was breathing, but barely. Suddenly, there was a wail from the water, and then more. The mermaids had caught sight of their wounded sister and were surrounding the boat, snarling. "'Throw her back!' shouted Little Richard. "'They'll capsize us again.' "'No. She's our barter.' He grabbed the unconscious mermaid and drew a knife, hauled her upright, holding the knife to her neck. The mermaid wailed and keened in horror. "'Listen,' shouted Slank. "'I give her to you,' he made the gesture of throwing her over the side. "'And you give me that. You understand?' The mermaid showed no sign of comprehending. Instead of responding to some signal neither man heard or saw, the mermaids flashed their tails and disappeared, leaving only ripples. Five seconds passed. Ten. I don't like this, said Little Richard. Get your whip, said Slank, dropping the unconscious mermaid at the bow. Little Richard uncoiled the bull whip. He kept wrapping around his waist. Here they come. The two men crouched, watching the water. Suddenly, the dark, shifting shape shot up at them through the moonlit water. Here they come. In a flash of tails, the mermaid slammed the boat, rocking it violently. Slank stabbed blindly downward into the water. 
Little Richard's whip cracked once, twice, but he, too, was having trouble drawing a bead on the swiftly moving creatures. The boat rocked again. Again, Slink stabbed at the water, this time driving several of the creatures back. But only for a moment. The, re- er, the mermaids came up at them again. Then again, Slink and Little Richard lunged frantically back and forth in the boat, grunting, shouting, trying to keep them at bay, trying to keep the wildly gyrating boat from going over. From time to time, the knife cut, or the whip connected, each time drawing a scream. The water around the longboat grew cloudy with blood, but the mermaids kept coming, coming, frothing the water around the unsteady longboat. There, Slink shouted, pointing as the mermaids, working together, massed for an attack at the stern. Their goal being being to pull the transom underwater with their weight. A lash from Little Richard's whip drove them all off, sent the bow splashing down and caused Slank to fall, rising and looked behind him to see the wounded mermaid was gone. She had either slipped or fallen back into the water. The other mermaids, still battling Little Richard at the stern, apparently had not noticed. Slank searched the blood-clouded water around the bow, but saw no sign of her. Meanwhile, Slank peered into the water at the bow, and Little Richard battled the mermaids at the stern. The trunk, momentarily forgotten by all of them, drifted further and further from the longboat into the night. Chapter 61. Crenshaw returns. Blackstash held up a hand, silently stopping Shmi and the others. He signaled them off the jungle path. Stash, too, stepped apart, or stepped aside, concealing himself in the enormous, amid the enormous leaves of a plant. The sound of someone running drew closer. A native... Stash crouched and laid his sword across the path. When the runner was upon him, Stash lifted the sword a few inches, and the runner, with a cry of pain, sprawled face first onto the ground. Crenshaw, said Stash, stepping out. Captain, said Crenshaw, out of breath. He hurried painfully to his feet. Well, what is it? I seen... Crenshaw attempted to answer. I seen... A lizard? said Shmee, interrupting. Shut up, Shmee. Crenshaw? The longboat, Captain, said Crenshaw, still gasping for a breath. The longboat? Our longboat? Uh, by his recollection, recollection, it should have been well down the island. Yes, sir. I seen it just now. Where? It was flying, Captain. It was what? Flying, Captain, up in the air like a bird. But it weren't no bird. It was the, it was the longboat, I'm sure, as I'm standing here. The others, other pirates gathered around now, muttering about this strange and unlucky island, where things kept flying that were not supposed to fly. Bully the talk, said Stash. Crenshaw, where did you see this flying longboat? Up this path where you sent me. It leads to a beach. A lagoon, sir. I just got in there when I seen the longboat pass right in front of the moon, plain as anything, and then there were men in it. More muttering from the crew. I said, belay it, said Stash. To Crenshaw, he said, how many men? What men? Two, I reckon. One of them big as a freight, he was. Across the moon, they'd fly fast as a bird, they was, but it was no, or it weren't no bird. It was a flying, yes, yes, a longboat, Stash said, eyeing Crenshaw curiously. And where exactly did this longboat go? Can't say it's for certain, Captain. There was trees and such and me away. Um, it went from this way to that, he said, indicating right to left. Went past the moon and heading down. Down? Yes, Captain, down. I reckon toward the water. What about the trunk? The treasure? I didn't see nothing of the sort. Just the flying longboat. She went past. I turned high tail to run back to tell you, and then you tripped up me, or tripped me up, and then you asked me what I'd seen, and then I, I know this part, you idiot. Yes, sir. Stash reviewed the situation. The trunk could not be far off. That was for certain. When things started flying that should not be flying, the trunk had to be near. But who were these two men? And what were they doing in his longboat? All right, men said Stash. We double time down to the lagoon. Crenshaw, you lead the way and show us where you've seen this flying longboat. 
move. Trotting with a pronounced limp, Grenshaw headed back down the path, followed by Stash and somewhat more reluctantly Shmi and the others. In a few minutes, the path widened. Patches of low fog shone in the moonlight. Like tiny puffs of gray cotton. Crenshaw had left out mentioned the swirling fog. Um, Stash smelled the lagoon before he saw it, like a fresh rainfall. From far to his left came the trickling sound of water, a stream and waterfall that fed the lagoon. Then above the sounds of the water he heard distinctly human sounds, grunting, shouting, splashing in the crack of a whip. Familiar sounds to a pirate. Fighting. The path led to a small sand dune. Stash stopped his men short. By the sound of it, the fight was raging in the water, just on the other side. No reason to join a fight until you know what's on your side. Another crack of the whip. Then a scream. A woman's scream. That, or his men stopped, all eyes on Stash. Here's what we do, he whispered. Whoever's out there, we let them kill each other off. When they're done and the fighting stops, we'll take care of whoever's left. Get your weapons ready. He was thinking... Flying boats and fighting, the treasure's at the heart of this. Then drawing his sword, Stash creeps or began to creep up the side of the sand dune. Dun dun dun!